Hello and welcome to the Cane and Rids podcast, volume 12, issue 589. Here to talk about Star Wars, Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. Joining me, Chris Worthington, in issue 589 are James Carter. Hello, hello. Carl Moon. Hey, everyone. And Chris O'Regan. Hello. So, gentlemen, Star Wars, Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. A, a VR first-person shooter, a vomit comet, some may say, or not, depending on your comfort levels with this kind of thing. We'll dive deeper into that. This is from the Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge official website. The experience connects to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in uh, Walt Disneyland and Walt Disney World, I believe, both of them, both of the American sites, that involves Bartu, the planet Bartu. It is set between the events of Episode 8, The Last Jedi, and Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, and involves Black Spire Outpost. Differently from previous VR products by ILMX Lab, now known as ILM Immersion, Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge transitions to story living, where players are inside a world making consequential choices that drives their experience forward, rather than the previous format of storytelling. As such, it gives players the opportunity to live their own action-packed adventure and explore parts of the galaxy. The original story features new returning characters with multiple styles of gameplay and difficulty settings in order to accommodate a wide range of players. Now, I don't know what you guys think, but have we played the same game <laughs> that the official <laughs> website describes? What what consequential choice did they make in this game? I was thinking, sitting here going, did I, what, is there, did I use the gun with the green or with the red but i don't I no this this is different to other vr products chris i mean official official blurbs are never the most reliable in terms of what kind of experience you're about you're about to have but that that stretches things probably further than there's a bit there's a different box quote i've got in mind but it ain't that <laughs> <laughs> we will unpack our experiences and maybe there's some of it in there uh, maybe not we'll we'll get into it so the game was uh, developed by ILM Immersive, as we've said. Now, they are mostly uh, famous. Well, I, th- I imagine in these parts, we know them mostly for Vader Immortal. Mm-hmm. That's reasonably famous VR title for original PSVR and formerly, uh, before that, MetaQuest. Uh, so what do we know about the development of uh, Tales from the Galaxy's Edge? Not a lot. It's, it's key uh, staff. Well, one of them is pretty interesting, actually. So Ross Beely was the writer of, of, of the story of the game, and his history is Telltale, uh, which is uh, didn't surprise me when I found that out because there are definite, there is a definite Telltale feel, I thought, to some of the uh, dialogue in this game and the way the characters interact. Did anybody else get that kind of Telltale feel to some of the storytelling? Yeah, I think it's it definitely has that. I don't know how how to eloquently describe this um, in my way, but it's it's that almost naive conversation that kind of just happens between characters that doesn't seem to have any real impact, other than yeah. obviously in the Telltale games you'd have Clementine remembers that, um, mm. but in in this it's just it's something that happens. It almost seems to fill space, and that is how the Telltale games always felt like to me. Yeah. There was, it, it wasn't confident in its own silence or not doing something. There was always something for the sake of something. 
And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing because I think it's actually one of the better things about about my experience with this game. But you can definitely see the parallels in that regard, or at least it felt that way for me. Yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely something in that. There's definitely a telltale feel, and we'll obviously get into the dialogue and the writing as we as we progress. The the producer Alyssa Finley was also ex Telltale. She was the one who brought over Ross Bealey. There's a really interesting. And, and quite funny panel that the, the development team or members of them recorded at a Star Wars expo that's on YouTube. If, if you if you Google making of Tales from the Galaxy's Edge Star Wars convention, you'll, you'll, it'll be the first thing that comes up. And they had the producer, they had Ross Beely, they had the guy that played Mubo on it as well, uh, Matthew Wood. And they didn't have any of the really famous people that we'll come on to. But it's a really interesting talk about how the idea came along and how the director, Jose Perez, came up with the idea during the development of Vader Immortal and had this idea of having like a hub-and-spoke design, a central place that you could go and spike off to different stories set within the Star Wars canon. And that turned into Cecil Slack's Cantina, which we'll we'll talk some more about. So this idea of telling this kind of anthology-type story was, was the original idea of the game, which is ironic in some ways because that is more the back half of what the actually in the final enhanced edition product is the back half of the game but that was the start of it and it went on from there and then later it became tied to the Walt Disney World attraction Galaxy's Edge now this this I've never been to Galaxy's Edge and I know that none of you on the panel have either this looks super cool if you're a fan of Star Wars and the Star Wars uh, world being able to just wander around the Black Spire outpost and go and see characters like Doc Onda, who we're going to talk about in this game. And uh, Cecil Slack was, I think, particular to the game. But there are there is a cantina there, and you can do all of these different experiences, different events, and you can explore a section of the Batu Wild. But it does look very cool if if start if you're a massive Star Wars fan. Hopefully, one day you'll get to go to uh, Walt Disney World in the states and, and experience that. So later, the idea it, it was to tie it to the where Walt Disney World experience, and and then the game kind of grew from there. Hence the the first section where you pretty much only explored the the Batu Wilds. In terms of releases, it was originally released on Oculus Quest on November the nineteenth, twenty twenty. On September the fifteenth, twenty twenty one, DLC was released, the last call DLC. So that takes us everywhere from the end of. This was the first scenario when you rescue C-3PO up on the top of the, the, the spire. Uh, that that was the end of the original end of the game, which would have been about a couple of hours, give or take, depending on how leisurely you went through the Batu yeah, Wilds. that's a very slight experience. Hmm. Mm, I think so. And reflected in the reviews, I think, because the reviews were pretty lukewarm when it first came out. Uh, a lot of talk of how much fun the blasting was, but just how repetitive it was and how short-lived it was. Again, we're going to get into some of these gameplay beats here and how it evolves and how it expands as you push in to what was the DLC. The whole package was released as an enhanced edition for PSVR 2 on launch for the for, for that system slash peripheral on February the 22nd, 2023, so earlier this year. And the physical edition was released on April the 7th by Perp Games and goes for about £40. So reviews-wise, 
So Metacritic has the Enhanced Edition down as 73 critic score. Now, I could so this this I so this must be the PSVR two version, right? Because that is the enhanced edition is the PSVR two version. Seventy three critic score and a six point three user score from only fifteen reviews. This might be a recurring three theme as we go through this as to just how much engagement there is in this time type of game, and possibly with VR in general. I don't know. Maybe one to discuss yeah. as we go on. Uh, open critic so across both versions. So this includes the original Quest game. And the PSVR 2 Enhanced Edition, only 54% of critics would, would recommend it. Okay. And on Push Square, the very PlayStation Central site, it got a 7.6 from 52 ratings. So we'll look, let, let's get into our histories anyway, because we've got, I think, I feel like we're kind of slowly sliding into yeah. them. Anyway, so Carl, can you tell us about your, your histories with the game? And I feel like it's probably going to be tied to your history with PSVR 2. Yeah, so. I picked up the PSVR 2 at launch. Um, Star Wars is probably quite high on a lot of people's list. And, you know, I was aware of the title itself from being on Quest. It was announced on PSVR 2. It was, to all intents and purposes, on my must-buy at launch. And then I became a little bit sensible, dialed it back in. And, Mm. you know, I think... (laughs) Ultimately, PSVR 2 did have stronger titles, Mm. despite it being Star Wars at launch. And it was, it it was that game that was. It's been on my wish list on PlayStation the whole time. I'll wait for a sale. I'll wait for a sale. And I swear, it feels like it's the only game that's not gone into a sale (laughs) that was a launch VR game. Yeah. Um. And then when this podcast's been slotted into the schedule, at that point, um, I was actually purchased the game. Uh, to play for this recording, which you know is great because it was something that I actively wanted to play. I was very excited to finally get to play it. It's just wild that it never appeared in a sale. Yeah, yeah. Chris, what's your uh, what's your history with the game? Okay, so I first caught sight of this on the MetaQuest. Um, I just, I mean, I did grab it when it when it arrived, uh, close to actually, but I was kind of distracted by something else. When it arrived, now, if you notice, the release date for the game was a certain date, which some of you may recognise, the 19th of November 2020. Any guesses what arrived on that day? PS5? Oh, that was Cyberpunk, wasn't it? Oh, was it the PS5? <laughs> PS5. It's a tad of an own goal. Yeah, it's kind of, <laughs> well, what are you doing? Kind of distracted by playing Demon Souls on that machine rather than delving into Star Wars. So, I, you know... A quick go of the demo for this is awesome, and then we'll talk about other experiences. But basically, it's just I I love the the uh, Vader Immortal game, and I thought, well, let's carry it on. But rather than make it about you know yet another space wizard, um, unfortunately, I really didn't delve into it too much uh, until about a year after I bought it when the mm. the, the chaos sort of faded, and uh, I, I went off rampaging across uh, across the a galaxy far far away. So. It's. It, I did grab it for Quest. I never got it for the PSVR two. Oddly enough, because I'm one of those people who are like, well, I've got it on the Quest. Why have I? Yeah. Why play would it? you? Why would I play mm. it twice? That's really my my experience with it. It's it's basically seeing it firsthand and and, and noticing it when I was distracted by another piece of hardware that dropped, and then eventually getting hold of it later on and having a good old time with it. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm glad there's somebody on the panel that's played the Quest version. 
because it'll be useful to to compare some of the more mm, not smooth edges of the PSVR2 version just to see if it's the same on the Quest. Oh, I've got words to say, don't worry. Yeah. (laughs) James, what about you? Yeah, so I think we've kind of touched on it a little bit that Star Wars game in VR kind of does grab attention. I think next to um, next to other titles that are often maybe studios you've not heard of or um, sort of games that you're not really that aware of, Star Wars just immediately jumps out. But it feels like this title just had sort of chip damage through its entire life that kept me from actually playing it. Um, mm. So initially when it came out on Quest, I had an original Quest. Um, I noticed it then but yeah definitely was was wrapped up in new china new console time um and also the initial reviews were really really cool on it like this is not great and then a year later excuse me a year later the dlc comes out but you don't get the same coverage no one's going back to re kind of contextualize that and just how much they'd add and how much the game had changed so it feels like PSVR 2 was the perfect moment for me to want to jump on board. Um, but again, I think the PSVR 2 launch, probably justifiably, was kind of all about the couple of um, ex- sort of first-party exclusives in yeah. Gran Turismo and in Horizon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and then it, this game kind of quite easily gets swept up in, oh, it's one of the Quest ports. Um which I think, obviously it is, there's no getting around that. They can mm. talk about how much they've improved it all they like, but it's still going to be thought of as that game. And so I dove into PSVR 2 at launch, but I was playing um, Horizon, Kayak VR, stuff that yeah. really made the very best of that hardware. You know, I wanted to see a huge jump from Quest to PSVR 2, and playing a quest port to psvr2 didn't necessarily seem like the best way to go about that um Mm. so i i sat on it like we've heard from um from chris and carl kind of thinking okay you know at some point in the not too distant future this will end up on a sale or the physical version will come out and i'll be able to pick that up cheaper um i just kind of drifted away from it kind of based on the price, kind of based on reputation and having other stuff to play. Um, mm. And so it was only when uh, this this game got slotted into the um, the schedule uh, that I thought, well, there's an excuse. I've not, at the time, hadn't played um, PSVR 2 in a little bit uh, since putting a, a load of time into Beat Saber when that came out. So it's been, it's been a good couple of months that, since I've really been actively playing PSVR 2. Um plus with the, the Quest 3 announcement, as Chris mentioned, just kind of feeling like, yeah, this is a nice time to sort of get back into VR. Yeah. had a huge amount of play uh, when the console came out and up until early summer. Now's the time to sort of get it out. So, yeah, I um, I uh, volunteered to, to step forward and come on this and, and was pretty glad to have the opportunity, as always. It's the, the games you never quite get round to and then Kanan Rince mm. just gives you the, the nudge that little excuse yeah. to to get into and, and play it. So yeah, played it. Um, started on uh, Sunday as we record on a Thursday. So over the past sort of three or four mm. days, played a couple of hours each day, um, and and finished it off last night. That sounds about right, doesn't it? For the whole for the for the whole kickaboodle, it's yeah. a it's a it's a long weekend kind of game, I think. Yeah, 
in terms of its size. Yeah, my 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 history very similar to you guys. PSVR two launch, pick one up. Um, I, I I definitely agree with Carl in that I think this was harmed by the fact they had a demo. And not that's not because the demo was bad. I downloaded the demo. It's actually one of the first, maybe the second after Horizon that I I tried, and I probably spent a good hour with it. And I think the 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 reason why I then didn't go and pick it up was I felt like okay, well that's nice, and it was cool wandering around the cantina with Cecil Slack, and you know, interesting that they 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 started there, and not on the ship for the for the demo. Yeah. I think it's definitely a good choice, you know, to to feature that central central part of the game. And I really enjoyed it, but then after playing it for an hour, I felt like I didn't really need to see see any more. You know, maybe it's, yeah, I, it's a real difficult thing with a demo. Like even when a demo's good, a VR demo, an hour is a really nice amount of time to play a game and then think right, I need exactly. to get out of the headset. And at that point, you're immediately broken out of the mm. impetus to keep playing the game, which the demo yeah. has also done. So yeah, that's a really tricky thing to do. I think I'm going to issue a spoiler alert. I feel like it's a somewhat slightly redundant spoiler alert in that <laughs> I, I don't remember. So I played this game, like I finished this game on Sunday evening, and I remember very little about the the the, the beats, the story beats of the of the three scenarios. So let so there's your spoiler alert. If if you are desperate to know what goes on in this game and you want every single last morsel uh, kept for you. Switch off now. Go and play it. It won't take you that long. Go. And, well, I can't tell you to go and buy a VR headset if you don't have one. But if you do have one, it's it's worth your time. And then go, go and spend five hundred quid. You'll be fine. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to encourage anyone to do that. I'm going to lead people to uh, down the wrong paths. Uh, but it is it is definitely worth playing. And then come back. But the setup, then, guys. So we play a we the player. The, the 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 avatar for the player is a uh, nameless droid repair technician. This game is is completely first person. Uh, this I think the fact that you do play a a, a nameless avatar droid repair technician, you know, an everyman in, in a lot of ways. Set he he he's on a some kind of smuggler's ship. Where they've got some potentially dodgy, uh, do- dodgy gear on board, uh, and they they're instantly made a target for for the Guavian Death Gang. What do we think about that setup then? Just just as an introduction, and, and given what we were talking earlier about the power of VR and being a bystander in this world of things that even the most casual fans would recognise and think, "Wow, that's very cool." Do you think that that is the way that was the I don't want to say the right or the wrong way, but but perhaps the the better way to do it, rather than giving you maybe giving you the role of Han Solo or some kind of established character, is it better to let us kind of be I, this nameless one? I think so. I think the world of Star Wars is bigger than any single character, and it it could actually be a detraction away from the experience. But in regards to the setup, right? So this is genuine. So I start you. You finished it on Sunday. I started it on the Saturday. I know you, you did, yeah. And you were talking about the demo. And you said, oh, they made the interesting decision on the demo to start you in the bar. And you said it, and I went, yeah, they did that in the main game as well, didn't they? <laughs> so you're talking about things being forgettable. Yeah. 
I don't know. I no. started this game yeah. less than a week ago, and I genuinely can't yeah. remember what happened before I got to that cantina. When, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, when you said that, I was like, that's not the main game doesn't do that. And I had to keep on checking myself, like, <laughs> yeah, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? Yeah. And I've like, played this through twice now. So I'm like, no, you start on the ship, but it's really awesome. If, if I may, I've, I loved the intro. I thought it was, it's not Gordon Freeman levels of silent protagonist. That's a different silent protagonist. But when you are, by the way, but everyone's talking at you, not at you, to you. Mm. But you can't, you know, you can't really do this. It's frustrating. You can't respond in kind, especially with the with the bartender, Cecil Zach, who's, who's brilliant. I, I agree. He's, he's top flight yeah. MVP, if, if you don't, if, in my opinion. He's so, so funny. The, the poor, poor, poor porgs. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I just love the fact that it really emphasized how messy. And screwed up the Star Wars universe is. Everything's just chaos, bits of stuff lying around. There's like half a droid, half built, lying in the corner. It's just nothing. It's just complete disarray. And you've got a, you know, a, 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 a rather dodgy employment contract, which you shouldn't have signed, <laughs> but you did. And now, you, now you're beholden to this uh, interesting individual. There's no malice to him. He's just, you know, a businessman. He's an opportunist, an entrepreneur. There you go. There's a word. <laughs> I think he uses it to describe himself at some point, but um, I, I, I really I think this does a wonderful job of a teaching you how to play the game. Now I'd already played the the, the previous title, you know, the, the Vader, Vader Immortal mm. title, so I was somewhat familiar with what kind of where is this going. But what I wasn't familiar with is the um, some of the uh, points like oh you need to pull this and do this and that. But I was I got into it pretty pretty quickly. I loved loved the intro, in my opinion. I thought it done a wonderful job of onboarding the player to the ship and the world mm. of Star Wars, which they thought they knew. Which they thought they knew. But I think many people who were not in so enshrined in Star Wars as I didn't realise that this is the side of Star Wars that does exist. James, any thoughts on the setup on the on the on the intro to this yeah, I mean, to this small slice of the world? I think I think Chris is is right. Exploring this part of the the universe, the you know, it's it's exploring the bits that are hinted at but not really seen in sort of what you think of as the the sort of main thrust of Star Wars. But it's always been there. As soon as Star mm. Wars came out, there was um, side stories and uh, you know fan stories and stuff about just being someone in this world and i think um just to touch on playing as a, a nameless um droid repair tech yeah absolutely like yeah there's a world where you play this game as han solo but the problem yeah. with that in the star wars universe is you don't want to I, i'm not going to generalize but I don't think it's worth playing as Han Solo when the other option is play as somebody else completely and get to meet Han Solo. And not that yeah. that happens in this game, but the prospect of getting to inhabit this world alongside those characters is, I think, far more exciting than the prospect of being that character and then having the whole time the way you want to play the game being in conflict with what you think Han Solo would do and what everybody's got an idea of what I'm just picking that character because it happens to be someone that could have been the main character in this yeah, game using a blaster, could. you know, yeah. um, on a ship, you know, in a in a difficult situation with some less than savory characters, um, you know, 
that if you're playing as Han Solo, that immediately puts into sharp relief that everyone has a slightly different idea of who that character is and who they want that character to be and what they would like that character for. Whereas getting to play the character you do, who is nobody you know anything about in the Star Wars universe, means that you get to go and meet characters that you would see in Star Wars. It means that when Darth Vader pops up on a hollow call, it's like, oh, that's surprising. Mm. And you lose that yeah. if you're playing as one of those characters. It means, you know, if you're playing as one of the main characters, you're presumably rubbing shoulders with main characters, but it puts a lot of stakes on that, whereas this is very low-stakes stuff. Um, and you're also playing as someone who has no business being able to gunsling or um, lightsaber their way out of a situation. Cause you mm. Still shoot better than a stormtrooper, though. Well, yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think I think if we were playing with with an established character like yeah a Han Solo, I think by the time I started dropping my guns all on the floor and the grenades were going everywhere, that I would have yeah. kind of ruined my fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> but what I think is really cool about things like and it's not exclusive to Star Wars, anything which has vast lore behind it, things like Mubo. So Mubo is is the you know is almost like the director, isn't he, of that first part of the game? Yeah. He he's the one who we're working for. He he is an existing character within the universe. I think he's been mentioned in various media over the years. Yeah, if you, if you go onto Wikipedia and look him up, you know you'll find a whole page there about you know his history and where he's been mentioned and like that wealth of that well of 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 stuff to draw on. I mean, the stories that you could create about these characters that have never never been featured in a film or a series, but exist in conversations or by references there's such a rich well of stuff to draw on that it's really cool like in things like this which is you know there there are there are elements of this game where there's been very little expense spared you know you you think about you know people like deborah wilson um with the the guy who plays cecil slack what was his name i've got written down here bobby moynihan you know the anthony daniels and and frank oz you know reprising their roles like, this is not a cheap game to make, but still, it doesn't feel like it's AAA type content. So this kind of space, this kind of double A kind of space, feels like a really cool way to explore some of these characters who wouldn't get, you know, they wouldn't get a story or an origin film made of them, and and that feels really cool to me. And there's a couple of characters throughout the game where you meet and you think, ah, oh, cool, okay, I can go and read about them, but I'll never see them. So scenario one plays out, and yeah, look, it, I don't know. For me, it felt like it felt like a bit of a slog as you go. You you end up on the planet bar two. You do have the experience that we've talked about in Cecil Slack's Cantina, and I'm sure just like the game, we we will we will circle back to that place many times and talk about you know what what it's like wandering around. But once you venture out of there, you know we're, we're hunting down bits of missing cargo. We're wandering around caverns and desert type landscapes. We ultimately meet C-3PO, which I don't know about you guys, but we've already talked about the popping his eye back in his head, but this this was one of the highlights of the whole thing for me. Hearing Anthony Daniels' voice, yeah, and we're, we're going to talk about the visuals, but it just he just looks so good. Yeah, you know, with scale again. And yeah, again, scale. the scale, yeah. You know, we expected him to be taller. You know, it's like, wow, what's... Yeah. That's going on. It's a really cool moment. And then, obviously, a little bit later, R2-D2, and these iconic characters. You know, what about for you guys? Are special moments when you bump into and you hear that, that iconic voice? 
with the with the two droids, if there are any characters in Star Wars that are, I would say, overused. <laughs> I mean, it it might yeah. be these two. Unfortunately, R two D two, I could enjoy for days because he's, he's not whiny. <laughs> um, but it is just a little bit of if we want Star Wars, but we can't get the main actors. Well, these two droids will do. <laughs> And so, and let's face it, the prequels have a lot to answer for here. There's no reason those two need to be in the prequels. They were, and that just gives a flavor of they will always be here um, to it. I think it... It could have been Jar Jar Binks, James. True. (laughs) Yeah, there's worse. (laughs) Um, But I'm overstating how negative I felt about it. Ultimately, it's quite nice C-3PO literally like introducing himself as a rebel operative and, you know, seeing that side of him, not the reluctant bumbling, but actually, you know, he's here to do a job for the rebels. They are here to gather information. They are kind of out on their own adventure, which you always see them as like sidekicks to someone else's. So that's really cool. It's let down a little bit. I'll just go into my experience of this, which was... I was still struggling with the like unlike Chris who said he kind of got the controls and and the tutorial really helped him do that. I'm so glad they expanded beyond scenario 1 for this game because by this point mm. I still hadn't really got comfortable with the controls. Um but the icing on the cake was went out got all the parts put C3PO back together he turns around falls out the door the door shuts and then you have to kind of go round the houses to get back to him. As I was doing that um I think that was probably where I was like, do I need to turn the difficulty down here because I'm struggling a bit to juggle everything. Mm. Uh, I was still, I think at that point I was still seated, so I only had the gun in my hand. I had nowhere to store a gun because yeah, I was that sitting is a down. That's, we'll come back to that, yeah. Oh, that's daft. They say you can sit down, give you multiple options yeah. to choose that, and then you can't. Like, um, no. You just can't. Um, but also, as I came round back to the, the top door which is locked at that point, mm. I teleported through it and then couldn't get out. Yeah. So I went back huh. into where C-3PO was and was like, okay, I'll just turn around and push the button. Bzzz, nope, nothing happening. Because you're not meant to go back in at that point, but it let me teleport through the door because I wasn't 100% well, so like sure you clipped, Almost like clipped through I clipped it, did through you? and I tried to clip back and it wasn't having any of it. Now, all I had to do was just quit out the game, reload it, it put me back at the beginning of whatever checkpoint that was. Yeah. Lost like 10 minutes worth of play, but it's the 10 minutes I lost inside trying to get out again that are frustrating. Mm. So there's stuff Mm. like that where it's like, that's kind of what I was saying where if VR is small movements, slow movements and, and gets really sort of granular with it, it can do that really well. But when VR starts to get frantic, unless it's something like super hot or beat saber, where it gets yeah. frantic, but your movement is kind of restricted. It's very um, dialed back in terms of your what you can do, and that's part yeah, of the Yeah, you've got very game. few verbs you yeah. can use in those games, haven't you, compared to this? But yeah. it's very deliberately part of the game in, in Superhot's um, situation. It's part of the lore, the, the narrative they're telling kind of explains yeah. why you are limited in that way. And in this game, you're not, and that's fine, except it did lead to some moments of jank that was like, uh, this is more frustrating than it would be if this was not a VR game, but it is, mm. and it's a bit frustrating. So uh, I, I had to insert that somewhere, and this is where it happened, so it kind of made sense to put it here. But once I got beyond C-3PO, 
night and day experience. I started to get a hang of the controls. I decided to play standing up, yeah. which meant I actually could store some guns and wasn't trying to teleport out to grab a gun to teleport back behind cover all the time because I could actually hold on to more weapons. Um, so yeah, it definitely got better as it went on. But if this game had just been up to C-3PO, like it, it would have been close to me saying, you know what, I'm I'm not going to be on this show because I can't stuff do this. It. Stuff yeah. it all. Can, can I just ask, who out of us, this is not like a filtering thing, but I always play these kind of games with smooth movement because I don't suffer from VR sickness. It's not a boast, yeah. it's just a fact. So I'm, I didn't, I mean, there's one one time when I got stuck in the rock and that was because I was doing the jumping, uh, the platforming bits. Yeah. Yeah, which, yeah. Of which there were a great many, everyone, uh, and um, it's um, and so I maybe that helped. And I was always standing as well, so yeah. because I I generally play VR standing, mm-hmm. very rare mm-hmm. for me to play, sit down. So what you just described, I can't sadly or I don't relate to, um, yeah, yeah, because yeah. maybe because I had a different experience. Because how, how did we all do smooth, or was it just me, or? I was going to say, I was teleporting, as I've already said. I yeah. So with Horizon, I played around with all their different um, options. And in this game, it didn't feel like I had quite so many options. It was either smooth movement or teleport, sit or stand. And I was sitting the first day, so I thought, you know what, sitting, I'd maybe be okay with smooth movement, but let's just try teleporting. And then once I was standing, I was just a bit on edge with how I'd cope with smooth movement. I probably yeah. should have tried it to see, but I definitely had a couple of moments in Horizon where I was like, oh, that's too much. Let's dial, mm-hmm. the, dial the settings <laughs> back. And because there wasn't as much granularity with those settings, I just went for safe. Um, and sitting down was definitely a mistake. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe I should have tried smooth movement as well. So I'm interested, Chris and Carl, you, you guys don't suffer at all with any kind of motion sickness in, in VR? I, Carl? Uh, I don't. I don't at all. Uh, I never have, except for this game did get me in moments. Uh, yeah. This is the only game that's ever, uh, only VR experience that's ever got me. And can you pinpoint way. what it was about this this particular game? I'm not entirely sure. I it's I know from being on the other side of it that VR is very fragile around yeah. frame rates yeah, and yeah. dipping frame rates where. Yeah. Like even kind of one to two frames variants can have a massive impact on the end user, and hey, that's why it wasn't a massive success on the PS4 uh, with a lot of people because it couldn't hold those frame rates. Yeah, so yeah. maybe it was something to do with that. Um, a good example is so I, I power through it with a, with a lot of things. It doesn't make it, you know I, I don't turn green or anything <laughs> to, to which I have actually seen. People go the yeah, weirdest cues, so um, and it's kind of disturbing. It's very unpleasant. Like it can have that, yeah. Um, so it wasn't that bad, but there were moments where I was playing. I was like, "Oh, that's that's a bit wild. Mm. That's a bit weird." But the weird effect it had on me wasn't that it was going to make me feel sick or made me feel dizzy. It made me feel like I was going to soil myself. <laughs> so wow. um, you put this on our Slack, and I was like, "What? He t- what? How has that yeah, happened?" I I don't know. It's so weird because soiling myself is something that I don't like to do very often. Um, you know, it's it, it it's been a while, and I finished the game off yesterday, so I started a little bit to do. It was um, it was literally 
scenario three. Yeah. And within five minutes, I got the most blinding headache that I have had ever from VR. So I had such a wild reaction to it on that final game. So I actually haven't done one of the side quest stories, but I've done all the main scenarios. And I hit those credits and I was like, yep, done, turned the console off, took Mm. some tablets, and I'm still recovering uh, from how bad that headache was, how intense it was. Never, ever, ever been an experience on any other VR title, literally just this one. Wow. On that movement point and... We we've we've talked movements and so I, I'm a big believer that I have I I get VR legs and I think a lot of people are like this. So I if I haven't played VR for a while and I was to go into full on free movement, I would be feeling pretty rough after about fifteen minutes. But I so I played Resi Eight Village right right the way through in VR and by the end of it and playing it you know an hour an hour a day and by the end of it I was absolutely cast iron. I could. Yeah, I play for an hour, no, absolutely no problem, not even a feeling. Yeah, I just kind of build up to it, and I hadn't played any VR for a while before starting this. So I thought, right, I'm going to go in. I'll play it standing up, but I will use the teleport settings. I found though that when I switched off the the teleport and went to free move, I, I didn't really ever get my legs. And I, w- I was thinking, right, I'll do it for five minutes and then I'll go back and then I'll go in for ten. But there was something about this game, and it's the only game like it that I've ever consistently felt I was getting queasy after about 10 minutes and I never improved. Maybe it wasn't long enough. I don't know. But I do, you know, I didn't experience the same symptoms as Carl. Crikey. You know, that was extreme. But I, I definitely think there is, whether it's the frame rate slightly off, I couldn't tell what it was, but there was definitely something. And in the end, I thought, you know what? Playing it on teleport, I'm having fun. You know, teleporting behind the rocks and peeking out and, Shooting, shooting baddies in the face, fine. I don't need to play it on free move, despite the fact that the game was telling me to do so, especially when you get the jetpack upgrade. It says that in order to get the most out of this, you really need to be in free move. I tried it. I felt a bit queasy. I turned it off again. I don't really feel like not being in free movement massively impacted my enjoyment, and I don't feel like I would have got massively more enjoyment from playing with um, with free move on. I think we're all on the same page when we think that the game improved after the first scenario, which is about two hours, as I've said, give or take. Uh, Scenarios two and three are double, at least, treble, maybe, another four or five hours. And considering this was DLC, it almost feels like the first scenario is DLC. And I think, Carl, you said earlier about, you know, having to uh, push through that initial section really to get to what feels like a a better game any thoughts on without going into the nuts and bolts of the gunplay which we'll talk about in a second what is it about the game as it evolves what what makes it a more engaging prospect because yeah the story is the story you know we're hoping doc ondar track down a cipher to track down some pirates uh in a jedi temple I'm sure if you guys were impacted by the story, you might be able to fill in a few gaps there. And then Scenario 3, which is the really, I felt, the one that really did engage on a story level, we have to rescue our the world's famous bartender, Cecil Slack, from uh, the a First Order facility, which has popped up on, on Batu to, uh, to to convert to convert poor and suspecting victims to and turn them into stormtroopers. So you get this image that big Cecil Slack, who appears to be about eight foot tall, 
in VR is going to be turned into this overgrown, oversized stormtrooper, which is which is great in itself. Uh, and that's very atmospheric about this first order facility. Is it the is it the environments that make it feel better, or is it the other stuff that's going on with the characters? What do you guys think, Chris? Have you got any thoughts? I think it's basically they find they found their legs with the game and the environment mm. and the developer going. Oh, this is what we can do with this. Yes, this is what you can do with this because it feels like scenario one. The original scenario was definitely a proof of concept, and that's probably really terrible thing yeah, to say to the so. developer. But the more the more I think about it, the more clunky it was. Again, an overused words in video game land. Apologies, but the best way I can describe it: it's not as refined, not as slick, not as well honed. They were really going for it for this one. And I just, that's what I felt. It's just a much more rewarding experience. The, the, the pacing, everything. It's just, even if it's the same engine and everything, yeah. it just goes to show writing and just subtle lighting design, everything can make a huge difference. Yeah. It feels like a refocus of objectives yeah. from the studio. Yeah. So, scenario one does feel like it's experience first, game second, mm-hmm. and it's not knowing, it, it, it's like having all the tools at hand but not knowing how to best implement them. Mm. And, you know, as Chris said, kind of finding the legs but also having a different focus. Mm. It felt like they decided they wanted to deliver a story from a gameplay narrative more so than from your standing there and observing yeah. things happen around you. And things like being able to uh, go higher on your jetpack, start to move forward and back on your jetpack, um, that you're kind of very limited to very basic up one height or a minor crouch is kind of yeah. the movement that you've got. Yeah. Uh, and when you start to bring the other things into play, it opens up the possibilities of how you actually handle situations. And, you know, I've looked and read stuff online, and it does seem to be that Scenario 3 is the one that resonates mostly with people, but it was actually Scenario 2 that I enjoyed considerably more Mm. because it echoed my very favourite things about Jedi Fallen Order, which was the Jedi Temple. Yeah, for sure. The puzzles and the lighting Mm. and the scale and... You know when you're when you open up the temple and you realize that the holes align with the two moons that are in the yeah. sky, and then you start moving them around, and all the steps open up underground, and you've got this huge structure around you, and then you're solving the puzzles, and the lighting all changes as the pillars start to move out the way. That's the stuff that is just works so so well yeah. in VR, and they've gone to very very basic combat structure so it was like a room with pillars in but you're on the same floor there was very minor verticality where you had to go and use the verticality to fight now i'm a massive fan of verticality in games but it's so stunted and badly implemented in the bit that james was talking about earlier with the c3po section where you're kind of up a little bit and across and then down a little bit and then you've got a bit of fighting here and there and you're never really sure what's happening and where it's so by the numbers isn't it in that early section yeah and it's it's like it should work, but it just doesn't because mm. there's no real direction to it. And that it it's weird because it starts to wear like scenario one starts to wear mm. 
And the problem when it wears, it hits the worst part of the entire game. And James mentioned earlier, and sorry, James mentioned that earlier, and part of it was obviously he'd had a bug yeah. and he was sitting down. Yeah. And, you know, these were kind of factors to it as well. But with me, it was also like, this is really boring now. Mm. Like, you had the potential that you almost live up to when you're going through a little bit of the jungle stages earlier on and you've got the branching paths and you can go up these little ramps and and take a bit of verticality for the combat. And now we're in kind of what looks like shipping containers and, yeah. like, going up through the gap. Like, how do you end like surely you start there and build yeah. but it actually that was it's you know building up to this crescendo and it was just so dull yeah, and I, flat, i'll be honest note. if if yeah if this wasn't the enhanced edition i would not have bought the dlc if that's where the game <laughs> ended like i'd no. be done mm. so that that was kind of mm. my take from the experiences that they saw what didn't work well understood mm-hmm. the capabilities and started to structure it as a game first, yeah. not an experience mm-hmm. first. So um, there's moments at the end of each of the scenarios where you essentially don't have much to do. You're kind of standing around. You're, you're still yeah. watching yeah. something else happen. For scenario one, that is you are with C-3PO and you find R2-D2 and they have a conversation mm-hmm. before the, the fight that, fin- that finishes scenario one. And then after the fight, they also have a bit of a conversation as R2-D2's running around somewhere. There was nothing for me there. Like, yeah, you can Mm. see these two characters interact, but I have no investment in that as the character. I might as as a fan of these characters in in Star Wars, but there's no Mm. tension, there's no nothing. I have no investment as, as what my character has in this scene. They're literally just stood there as a third wheel. Scenario two... You go out onto a platform and the Baron approaches and you've got um, uh, Len stood next to you. You have no yeah. agency, although actually you can shoot, but it, it you get a fail state for that. Um, and and then you're faced with uh, the the giant creature that I forget the name of, uh, Len's yeah, friend. AU or something like yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's terrifying. To, to, to like mm. within the context of the game, you don't know what you can do because you have no tools to solve this problem, and you're aware that lens is at risk. You're at risk. How are you going to get yeah. out of this? There's a tension there, even though all my verbs have been taken away from me. There's there's uh, tension put on me in that situation, and scenario three as well. Literally, you get frozen. You then get put into suspended animation yeah. and have to watch a scene happen as you don't know what's going to happen to you. You don't know what's going to happen to Caesar Slack. You have no way out of this situation. And it gives you investment in the situation. It feels like they learned so much of how to make this an interesting experience in VR when they came back to do the DLC. And they took a year to do it, and I don't know how long they had to develop it beforehand, but it really makes Scenario 1 feel like a tech demo, like a proof of concept. And then they came back and did Scenario 2, Scenario 3. The the tales went on top. I don't know if that was all, all three of those or whether some of it was in previously, but... It just feels like they got the opportunity to put so much more intention into what they were giving the player to do and experience. 
Yes, I think it. I think it all was added as part of that last yeah. call. I mean, if you imagine a game where once you get to that scene with C three PO and R two D two, which which for me, I, for managers vary with this stuff. For me, you know, I probably didn't feel as flat as it did for you, James. But you imagine a game where the credits roll at that point, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's it's a pretty tough. disappointing experience. Um, there is there is a lot more. I, I think the one word that Chris O'Regan used, which I which I think nails it is pacing, and and I think as as Carl said as well that it all it's all just on a level in scenario one. It's all the 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 combat scenarios are so similar that by the end of the two and a half hours, it's actually dragged a little bit because mm. you've just gone through the same kind of fights with the same enemies at the same pace. That and you get to the end, it's like right, is that it? And what they did for me in in scenarios two and three is is using those moments where yeah you, know, you have to press the button when the monster's in front of you and you've got that jeopardy, you know, Cecil seeing Cecil Slack bound up and be watching him through the window, mm. just changes the whole pace and the dy- dynamic of the game for me. I would challenge what you said about saying kind of enemies. They do mix it up. To be fair, there's. Floating droids. There's droids that explode too close to you if you're not too careful. There's there, there are things that do they do change it up. Let's not be too downhearted in saying you're just playing Space Invaders in VR, which is how it sounds. Not true. That, they, they, yeah. they, it does. They do mix it up. And don't forget, there's the, the big boss fight at the end, which, granted, is not much of a boss fight because I do no, just blows the crap out of her. Which is hilarious. And, Go and uh, hide in one of those containers, yeah, and uh, you're, I'll, but I'll, you're Bob, Bob's your uncle. Bob's, your, Bob's and that's, yeah, that's exactly what happened. I, I, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, and pathos is good. I'm a fan, but no, I, I do take a point. I, I do agree with you that yes, two and three, the, the DLC add-ons, far superior. But yeah. I don't want to take away from my personal experience what yeah. I played on the first. Sort of, I actually enjoyed it. And yeah. um, the the enemies were fun. Yeah. Visuals then. So it feels to me that if you are designing a Star Wars game, that you've got a bit of an open goal with the visuals because there are certain things that if you hit, you're gonna be you're gonna be onto a winner with 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 the fan base and certain sections of the fan base. So for me, it feels like from a, from a kind of a design point of view. There are maybe things that you can do which are the obvious things, but how did we find? Let's talk about environments. I mean, how and thinking particularly as 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 these evolve throughout the game. Was there anything that particularly stood out for you about the environments, whether it was a particular location or the way the environments were structured, Carl? Yeah, I mean, I, the the first order facility is just cool, right? Yeah, like. Shiny as walls. Far as an, yeah, that is that's Star Wars one oh one. Yeah. In terms of what you kind of expect from what we've learned from the movies. So that's always interesting to walk through those kinds of environments. But again, the the environment that just was the one that really got me was definitely the Jedi Temple. Yeah. It was just the the, the night sky, the moonlight with the, the way that things were lit. Um, the bright yellow and green colours from the the fauna around was just the, the, from the the flora. Sorry, was just fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. That yeah. it it just sets such 
for me a perfect mood for what i wanted yeah. to see and experience and i wish we had more of that yeah because scenario two is the the shortest of the scenarios I yeah think. it definitely felt like it was the shortest but it was very very sweet like i really enjoyed all of it from the way that the audio logs were from the way that you grab the uh, the big machine gun with two hands yeah that was really cool it. that like, bit yeah yeah, yeah. It, it kind of plays with stuff a little bit more and i don't know if it's necessary because it comes straight off the back of scenario one which kind of lived past yeah what it should have uh, actually done but from just the the way that the audio logs delivered a story. Yeah. It's not everyone's cup of tea. I quite like audio logs for that kind of reason. Yeah. If you're gonna deliver a good story. Um it's not the be- it's not Bioshock two level of audio <laughs> logs, but it's you know, it's pretty, pretty good. Mm. And then you've got the puzzles and the way that you scan things. And you know, as as James has already mentioned, the way that it hits you with that cliffhanger, it's like, push the button, push the button. Mm. And the first time I picked it, and I was like, there isn't a uh, yeah, button. Right, and I'm, I hitting died. The... <laughs> I'm hitting the whole thing and I die. What and button? And I realised the second one is there's actually a switch and obviously you, you flick it with your finger with one hand yeah. and, you know, the, the, the tactile nature isn't always perfect no. when you hit the buttons, particularly on your left wrist where you've got the three buttons. <laughs> no. But it actually worked on that. And I was like, okay, that was really quite a cool way that it was willing to end it at the point of the game that had the most tension without having you fire your gun. Mm. And I just thought between the world and the way that that environment was set up to how it delivered the story through that all the way to the, to the end, I'm always, I'm always going to say scenario two was by far my favorite environment. It's the one I would want to go back to. It's the one I'd want a whole game like that. Mm. Like stick me in a tunnel. That's a, not a tunnel. Wow. A temple that's as complex as, the ones in Jedi Fallen Order, yeah, but all in VR. VR yeah. Make it the puzzle game. Give me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James, anything about the visual standout for you, whether it be character design or environments, anything? Um, I, I was pretty impressed. Um, I, I don't know how much they did in between um, the Quest release and, and for PSVR 2, but there were moments in this game where it was not far off what I experienced playing Horizon. Um, and that's yeah, saying something because that that's is that's a high compliment, yeah. It's a really big compliment because they they kind of optimize that for uh, PlayStation hardware being a first party. Yeah. Um, but they they put a lot of thought into how to represent what is a stunningly beautiful world. Anyway, they've created in mm. in Horizon, um, in VR, and in this case, it has some of that spectacle. Maybe not quite as big. It's not like you're walking under an eighty eighty or anything. But um, you know, they've got some spectacle. They've got some vistas. But there are also moments where I'm thinking of the explosion at the end of Scenario 3 um, where you're standing in this really nice environment with some really cool textures and the explosion looks like a really cheap effect. I don't know whether that just didn't get redone, but it looked like... like pre-rendered video or something, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it looked like something that was happening on a screen further away than it should have been. It was really weird. Um, Do you remember Mist? We talked about Mist earlier this year. It kind of reminded me of the videos in Mist. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's definitely got that kind of, we've come back to this and remastered it, but we didn't necessarily remaster yeah. everything feel to it. Yeah. But, I mean, there were times mm. in the in the Jedi Temple, I was, I was stood just looking at, like, a door or the wall, thinking, I'm not going to mistake this for real life at all. But yeah. often when you're in a VR game, it's like, oh, this would probably look really good if it was a third-person game, but I'm yeah. too close to it 
it's not the lights not hitting it the right way it just mm. looks a bit low res a bit low like low quality uh, and in this game i did i had the opposite of that where i was looking at it saying you know what that's pretty impressive mm. that i can stand this close to a wall and not be like looking at thinking oh yeah that doesn't look right um so yeah there was some of the texture work on on some of the environments that i thought was really really good but there were there were some highs and lows there i thought there was not many lows but there were some where it's like oh they didn't redo that that's stayed from the quest version more or less mm. um yeah i think one of the things you haven't mentioned too much i think it's been hinted at i want to raise the, the the animations and i think yeah we ought to yeah that was pretty pretty good um mm. i think far worse although there are some goofy moments as is want with video games i do remember one enemy just casually strolling towards me shooting like are you gonna do any cover no, I'm just going to carry on just walking up <laughs> in the vain hope that I'll survive this exchange, which it didn't. You, you know. will be walked through in the cantina as well by one of those NPCs, <laughs> I guarantee, will walk right through you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The collision models are not not great. That's kind of where the polish is lacking. Mm, yeah. And it's my... If I can't throw a bottle at people, I'm going to be very Yeah, and it, there was a bit... <laughs> and it bounces see. off. Yeah. It goes through. Well, I, I just I think the the animation of the bartender, which obviously was motion cap, had to be uh, the way yeah. he was gesticulating and uh, moving around, and you know, I just that for me was really impressive. But they could do yeah. that because it was just you and him, yeah. You know, so they could go nuts with that. Yeah, and you can't interact with him, can you, because of the bar there? The bar, so he's yeah. kind of just doing his own thing and yeah. you're just watching him. But yeah, it's yeah. super impressive still. So, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, there's a bit of animatronics going on there. But apart from that, um, I was very generally, again, yet more embellishment, yet more um, encouragement to stay in the world, to experience the world, to feel like, and I think that was one of the, the primary drivers, is that not only did you feel like you're in Star Wars, but also, it sounds a bit trite. You felt like you're on a set, sometimes, yeah, of one of the films that you're actually picking up props, and that, that's fine too. That's that's that that was like you're both in Star Wars, but also in a set filming Star Wars. Sometimes I felt like that, and that's nothing wrong with that. And if that was their aim, then they won, and they did the good job. Yeah, I think you could. I think that's a good point, and I think you could actually use that. I would use that as a good and a bad thing because I felt I don't want to harp on about the first the first section because I actually did. I actually did enjoy it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. The, the first, while having read the reviews, I think I, I said on Slack that I'm enjoying this way more than I thought I would, uh, which is what happens when your expectations are pretty low. But I thought the environments felt a bit two D in the in the, in the first part, and they got more expansive and have more depth and feel to them in in the um as the game went on we also had those pre-rendered backdrops didn't we as you look out into the vista yeah. which With which drill i don't know i mean what do we think i mean f- for me it kind of worked to give that sense of scale i found myself looking at the sunset a couple of times and thinking i'm just looking at a still image here but it i don't know it kind of it kind of worked for me in vr yeah yeah absolutely it, it's like it's it's like theatre production, isn't it? With yeah. the layers, almost, um, where you know that it's flat, but it's distant, yeah. so you can kind of accept it. And it does get a little weird when you're in the uh, First Order facility and you're looking at the drill and you get the animation for the explosions <laughs> and you're like, that is a 
lower resolution, <laughs> lower frame. Oh, that was like almost like a QuickTime video. That's what I was saying it, about the it, mist it was, comparison. Yeah, it was that was that was kind of bizarre, but I thought I thought they did really really well with a lot of the environments, and I thought James made a really good point that you know you can be quite close to a lot of the objects in this yeah. where VR. There's always a point, right, because of the distance between the eyes, that when you get so close to an object, suddenly it breaks, and you see. Uh, the depth at two different levels yeah. at the same time, and this does allow you to get really, really close, uh, which, which was which was a, re- a real positive. Um, and I think that the way that that works from both up close and from a distance, it does keep a good level of continuity yeah, in there. I Obviously, so. certain environments are more interesting to look at. Look, the first order facility is super cool, but it's also super plain yeah. in terms of compared to say the the Jedi Temple or even Caesar Slack's bar. Yeah. Um, and and Cecil Slack's bar is the, the, the absolute highlight yeah, for of, sure. of all the environments, just because there's so much in it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they the, the, the did do a really good job of that. On on the topic of Cecil Slack's bar, and I've just got it's just occurred to me, and I thought I'll ask: when you open the door to the side room and the guy's in there because he's overheard Cecil Slack get kidnapped, did anyone else jump at how close that guy was to the door when it opened? Yeah. Yeah, definitely yeah. took a step back he, quickly. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was at my nose. Like, <laughs> why is someone that close to my face? Um, that that was such a wild moment, but I absolutely loved it because I just I, I actually took a step back and I yeah. I laughed. But that's the kind of magic of VR, yeah. right? When when the scale comes in, yeah, um, and yeah, the 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 scales, but the scale wasn't always right, and and. Can we, if we just talk about kind of you know the setup where James tried to play sat down and I, I, I did toy with the idea I wanted to stand up but I thought I'll try it sitting down mm. because I thought it might might be easier if I'm not lifting my arm as high with my the way my shoulder was injured and it lets you set your level for where your belt is and it lets you set the vertical height of your character mm. but it doesn't ever give you a reference to work against so the first time I'm in this bar I. <laughs> <laughs> Mubo walks in and he is tiny, right? And he hops up onto this chair and I'm like, he is so small. Me and Cecil Slack are the same size. And I'm like, that and then I'm like, is that right? And I walk towards one of the tables and I realise that there's no way I could sit under yeah, the I'm table. Yeah, I'm not putting a drink okay. on that table, I'll drop it. Yeah, that, I was like, that's really, really weird. And after that moment of trying to go from the sitting back to the standing. It lost all sense of scale, and it took me ages to get it right because, once again, it doesn't give you the reference. Yeah. So there's one point I'm up to C-3PO, and I'm towering over C-3PO. So I exit out of the game, and I've got a base, like I reset some of the defaults, but it doesn't reset the seating mm. position, even though in the console position I set it to standing. So I walk up to C-3PO, and he's miles taller than me now, and I'm like, I had such a hard time because, obviously, you've got the seating toggle yeah. in the game, the sliders in the game, but you've also got the floor sliders for where the floor level is for your console yeah. and whether or not you're standing, moving, free roam or seated in the console. And I found that that was a really tough balance for me and it that definitely detracted from my experience yeah. to begin with. Um, I know it's a slight aside from the environments, but it kind of killed some of that stuff because, yeah. you know, at one moment I'm a giant, the next thing I'm, I'm absolutely tiny, I'm looking up at everyone, I'm like a mouse. <laughs> I, mean, I think it probably helps if you it probably helps if you just stay in one position, and that's not to say because I do want to talk to James in a minute about his experience mm. of sitting down because yeah. it was one of the things that stood out for me on the options menu. I actually never tried it, mm. um, 
But I do, I do want to I do want to come back to that because I'm interested. Yeah. It was one of the things that was picked up in the Euro Game and Review is a real problem with it. Um, yeah, just on the just just a final word on the graphics. I mean, for me, mm-hmm. I think I think where it where I think the game helps itself is that it doesn't really have any other. Does it have any other human characters apart from Lens, who is masked in a helmet? Yeah, uh, and I think for me, it always helps in these games if you are looking at something which you're not imagining that you could see in real life, because I think that's where sure. particularly yeah. in yeah, particularly in in the VR games I've played, it's you know that sense of the uncanny is even more pronounced. I find uh, when you're looking at other humans, whereas here, you know. I think the, the the work that went into Cecil Slack just feels next level. Um, yeah, it does. It's really it's excellent. So good. The the detail when he has one of his eyes is is damaged, isn't it? And yeah, yeah that that did like yeah, he's got one blind eye. That, yeah, that did bother me. I kept on looking at it, going, yeah, well, it's <laughs> not. Oh, it's moving. Oh, okay, different. Okay, okay, that's 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 a thing. But, it's um, a really nice piece of detail because it's not really a thing in the story. I think he mentions it once or twice. He does. Yeah, he mentions it. He, he's like. Is it? I've got five good eyes, yeah, and none of them it. know where I am, or something along those yeah. lines. But it's it's a lovely bit of detail, and and gives him a real rounded. Yeah, it's a very strange thing to say about someone who's got six eyes protruding from his head, but gives him like a real feel. The fact that like he's yeah. you know he's imperfect and he's wandering around his bar, and he's, you know he gets annoyed, and yeah, I've, you could just stand there and watch him just yeah. doing his script. Uh, it it really is, and obviously voiced really well as well by um, it's Bobby Moynihan, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, but really, it was it's it's great work, and I think generally the characters come off really well uh, throughout pretty much throughout the whole game. The thing that bothered me about the visuals most was the shadows. Mm-hmm. Do you guys ever catch a glimpse of the shadow of your own character? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Float, yeah, yeah, your own floating yeah. arm. Your own floating. Well, yeah. If you're lucky, you might notice two arms. Uh, yeah, most of the time you notice kind of one and a little bit of another. Uh, <laughs> I found that a little bit distracting, but I'm picking holes a little bit because the environments as well really nice, especially in the nighttime. The Jedi Temple, Carl, when it when yeah. you go back there later in the game and it's dark, yeah, it's so atmospheric and brooding. Uh, really good stuff. Audio is another area where they really didn't scrimp. So the the composers here are. All names, well, I think certainly uh, names that I, I recognised. Um, yeah, so the composers, Bear McCreary, Danny Piccone, Piccone, and Joseph Trapanese are all names, well, certainly Joseph Trapanese and Bear McCreary are certainly names that I recognised straight away. Uh, the music for me is not, I wouldn't, I don't think it's one of those soundtracks that I'd listen to out of game, but in game, and particularly in the Bounty of Bogs Triff. Uh, side quest it, ju- it really did work for me i found myself uh, uh, several times thinking wow this music here is really really building the atmosphere uh more of an ambient score than a melodic one for the most part uh, and in a lot of ways you know not your typical star wars bombast although it does have aspects of that as well uh i thought the music was a real high point and and sound generally actually from the voice acting across the piece, generally really good. Some really good actors working here, uh, and and the performances I think are you know at, at best, at worst, solid. At best, really good. Um, leaving aside the very familiar voices of of, of Yoda and C three PO, but anything to note on the sound, Chris? Did it work for you? The music and the overall sound design. Yep, it's one of the things that grabbed me initially as well. Is the 
you know, when you're, even the footsteps of clunking around the spaceship you find yourself in, yeah. the alerts, the, the flashing, um, and the the screeching sort of sound of audio sound from from the uh, as you get orders barked at you uh, over the tannoys and stuff. It's yeah. all spot on. And yeah. the music was, yeah, I don't have a lot negative to say about the yeah. uh, sound effects and uh, and the score. Wonderful stuff. If, again, helped with keeping you there, yeah. keeping you there. Yeah. 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 There's Any some, other thoughts, you know, guys? There's some good positional um, audio as well, um, where mm. if you start a, an audio log and then walk away from it, it gets quieter. Yeah. I mean, that's ob- yeah. obvious, but, but it's nice to see that they did that because it really puts yeah, you It's in not place. always implemented, is it? Or not as effectively as this? Yeah. Um, but also... When you're getting a um, hollow chat comes through on your bracer, um, if you turn your wrist towards yourself, it gets louder. And if you put your you turn your wrist back away and bow, down by your side, you can still hear it's there. You can, in yeah. theory, carry on moving around doing your thing. But it just that's a really nice sort of oh, someone's talking to me. Yeah, there we go. Have that conversation. Uh, just it it puts as um, Chris just said, it puts you in the place in the space yeah. um, to do stuff like that to to have. Um, to have those touches that really make you realise they paid attention to what sound should actually be doing. Yeah, yeah. And you combine that with the haptics as well, which I don't know what it's like on the Quest, Chris O'Regan, but certainly on the PSVR 2, you get there's some really nice, almost to the point where you don't really notice it until you try some nice haptics around the headset, which hopefully didn't contribute to your headache, Carl. Um, <laughs> but, but again, you know, yeah. the subtle the subtle haptics in the in the... I'm I'm still kind of feeling the novelty of the uh, the the PSVR two controllers as opposed to playing things with the DualShock four, but if you combine that with the sound and the positional audio, as James has just said, you know it does create a really immersive world to to launch into. It it does, and I, th- I think the other thing that's a problem is sound in Star Wars is arguably a poison challenge. Yeah, right? for sure. Because yeah. The sounds are so recognizable, mm. even from people who you wouldn't say are fans of Star Wars. Yeah. People know what a blaster mm. sounds like, they know what a lightsaber sounds like, you know. And if you kind of don't nail that, it's going yeah. to fall flat, particularly for, for fans of Star yeah. Wars. And thankfully, you know, whilst the music is it's there, it's inoffensive, it suits the game. The sound effects of the blaster shots going past you and and you know you firing, it feels pretty pretty good. Yeah. Just an answer to the question about the haptics. Yeah, there, there be none. Oh, interesting. Be none. Yeah, and it's, I suppose you haven't got you you've not played the PSVR two version, so obviously no, nothing to come. Thirty five com- quid for a game of audio. Again, is it really <laughs> worth the haptics? Maybe. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm a big the, fan of haptics. They are very good. I'm sure they're excellent because they, <laughs> they are fantastic on uh, Gran Turismo 7, so why yeah, wouldn't they absolutely. be? absolutely. It, it was one of yeah. the back-of-the-box kind of points about the Enhanced Edition was they were going to make use of the, the yeah. VR Sense controllers, and, and they did. It, yeah. So, you know, a job done in that respect. It was very good, but it's uh, it's a shame to hear there was, there was none because... Quest obviously does have have rumble, so you know you you expect they could make decent use of that as well. But I don't remember much. Maybe on the handset, but not on the headset itself. Yeah, no, 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 the headset would be yeah, sure. The, yeah. the headset can't do it, but I do remember yeah. some things on the hand. Oh, certainly, yeah, yeah especially when firing the gun. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in singular. We'll come to that later. Yeah, 
<laughs> well, let's come to it now. Firing the guns. Because you do a lot of that. This this game primarily is a first-person shooter with, with, with puzzle elements and watching Cecil Slack elements. Um, but primarily it, it, primarily, it is a shooter. And shooting, we do. So the gunplay... Chris, what was it like then? How did you find the the the, the minute to minute stuff, the momentum of the nuts and bolts of the combat? Well, first of all, I never went dual hand ever. Yeah, you I, never went what? Sorry, the, the, you know, dual, 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 dual building. Okay, no, I never tried never that either. It. I know that's the big promo well, of of the game, but I, nope, I really like holding the gun with two hands. Yes, me too. There was one. My favorite gun was like this semi or semi-automatic one. Yeah, that was the one. And yeah. uh, I, I held on to that sucker. Whenever I found one, like, okay, you're my main weapon. And yeah, I'd be carrying four round at yeah, any one time, and, and, and the pistol sure would be just not. a backup, which because yeah. they'd run out of um, charge. So the gunplay then, um, uh, I, I, I really felt that they did a reasonable job. I mean, mm. there's better games, I think. Yeah, at it. Uh, they're not. That's not the best shooter I've had. But then again, I always find it amazing how terrible Star Wars guns are. You know, it just always felt like if they just had a gun, like one that slug, you know, threw slugs at things, it'd probably be way better. Off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, they're just like focusing on these laser guns. Like, just, just get a you know a regular gun. It'd be way. Never mind. Bloodiness. <laughs> Give us some gunpowder here. Come yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but. Point being, I did love holding the gun with you know and just raising it up to my eyes, yeah, and just blasting away. I I thought it was fantastic. Imagine Ducky how cool we must rocks. have looked to people not not observing us playing mm-hmm. this game. Yeah, dodging behind rocks and stuff. It was just, and I I I thought it was wonderful. And you did say that mm. you spent your time shooting. You did, but you also had some friends, didn't you? Didn't you? Um, yeah. Three of them, to be precise. And, um, yeah, they were awesome. I mean, in fact, the amount of times I go, I'm not going out there until all, you, all three of you come back here. What are you doing? Yeah. Where are you going? And, it was and you're talking like, about the remote droids, I of am. course, there. talking about yeah. the remote droids. But it's it's related to the gunplay. Because oh, for sure, they yeah. Are, I mean, you use them yeah. as – I, I called them my cloud, my cloud yeah. of death, because they would just basically harass the other things while I was shooting them in the back. Wonderful stuff. So – yeah, mm. uh, I personally found it fun. Not the best, though. There are better games out there for gunplay, which is a little bit disappointing. Mm. But considering this was a shooter principally, but mm. I, I thought mm. that I thought there are other games out there. And it's the downside better. to laser guns in general, right? Laser guns yeah. in pretty much every shooter seem to fall flat yeah. in terms of feel. Um, so I completely understand what you mean in terms of that aspect. However, the guns are fun to use, and at least what you don't necessarily get in oomph, you do get in terms of the interaction with the venting of the uh, yeah. of the shotgun. Yeah. Those kinds of aspects were actually... I mean, maybe you have to do them a well, little too, often, too frequently. Yeah, yeah but the, the concept of them is quite funny. But you do have this odd moment, and I know there's the sticky hands option. Yeah. There's an option in the controls so that you don't have to hold... The uh, the grip button, um, but the, the the amount of times I'm in a gunfight and I go to vent it with my second it. hand, and suddenly the gun flies out of my hands <laughs> like it's a recoiled thing, and I'm, yeah. I'm running around looking on the ground for where my guns <laughs> landed. So like it must look quite comical if, if it was like in a third person angle. But you know, 
I didn't take it too serious. I actually laughed every time it happened at the ridiculousness yeah. of it. But it it is quite interesting. Now I did do the the guns akimbo. Look, uh, you know I'm a John Woo fan. If I've got the option, like the only thing I was missing was the flying doves. <laughs> Other than that, you know, blasters were going, and I, you know, um, I was doing the whole firing out of one hand, and when there was one enemy left, I'd. Th- fling it in the air and it would spin around and catch it with the other hand and boof! Oh man, try and... Why didn't I even try, think you know. about doing stuff like that? It sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, I was just so, you know, pedestrian, like, okay, shoot the gun, vent it carefully, <laughs> then carefully, um, carefully store it on my back, because I had four holsters yeah. and stuff, and uh, all, all, all carefully... Just, yeah, very, very pedestrian. I feel, feel like the That's point. quite interesting, because you just mentioned that you had, didn't have haptics, but you did have the shoulder strap. Well, I had to now, buy them. The PlayStation, I had to buy them. Yeah, it's an yeah, upgrade. You, you got to buy yeah. them as an upgrade. Yeah. But on the PlayStation, it uses its haptics to know when you're over your shoulder for when you're going to holster it yeah. versus drop it on the floor. Yeah. Huh. And that's the only way I would have known that I was actually holstering my guns on my shoulder. Yeah. And I heard yeah. a sound. I heard a sound. Oh, is there a sound as well? Right, Right. okay, yeah. It vibrates. The guns, by the way, sound like Star Wars guns. If you know that, if you know Star Wars, all the the guns sound, have a certain clicky, sort of like clunky sound to them. Um, Mm. I think they put it in as as a sound effect. But uh, yeah, they're very, yeah. Sorry, Kyle. One of the things I did like about combat was you can buy an upgrade so that it auto heals out of the health injectors. But the fact you can store your health injectors on each yeah, wrist and you cool. grab it with the other hand. And every time you spray it in your own face, I swear I smelled mint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's so like you get that spray mist coming up towards you and you know it's VR, but at the same time That's interesting. You can be in a world of VR and you go, It's not real. I can acknowledge this isn't real, and I'll just lean on this table whilst I take that in. And of course, the tables in VR. Yeah. <laughs> so you you know it, you you have that strange thing where it doesn't take you long to be out of an environment mm. to suddenly believe that that's yeah. the new reality, and that's why VR is so great. Yeah. And that's one of the things that the health injector did is I got that mist and I was like, yeah, I feel better. Mm, I can breathe. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I always I, just played it on my chest. I never went near my face. Went. Well, if they hit me in the chest. No, so I, I always sprayed I, it right I, into I was my face. You on the where I was wounded. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, oh, let's play it there. So, uh, yeah, um, I did like that, but, uh, yeah. And I just thought that was a really interesting way mm. to be able to heal yourself and actually have two heals at a time, and then you throw them away. Throwing away stuff's a little weird because sometimes you try and throw stuff away and it ends up sticking to your hip or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, nothing can be perfect. But the one thing I did struggle with was opening my pouch to be able to get the grenades oh, out. God, yeah. Quick or to be able to get the drones out, it all fell. And I understand it should. You should be behind cover and you take the time and you throw the stuff out and you add that strategic impact. But look, I'm the guy that was going in dual wheels and guns. I want to be able to just <laughs> get no the, hands. You know, just let me flick them out off the hip. Yeah. You I, know, I wanna I wanna stand and face the camera whilst the explosions go off behind me. I did me. not get on with the grenades. I just really yeah. didn't. No, yeah. I, I couldn't. I, just every time I threw one, it was always too short, and the 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 the, the damage was too ineffectual. Like, what yeah. what is what are these? Um, well, I threw sixteen of them at Deborah Wilson's character. There you go. Because I thought that that was how I was going to, no, you to, to kill the boss, and it turns yeah, out, no, you, yeah, you got to wait it all yeah. out. So I wasted sixteen well, grenades. You didn't really waste them because. <laughs> Well, no, exactly. It goes through. I wasn't no, using they're, them. They're just, they <laughs> so are the weakest part of the game, I thought. Yeah. You know, yeah. and yeah. Uh, 
Try a... using them with the sticky controls on, then you're in for a shock because oh. you'll you have to they'll won't the go anywhere. You throw, stick so you end up throwing it to the floor, or yeah, <laughs> it's not good. How did you find it, James? Uh, yeah, so I had sticky controls on, which was um, yeah. really useful for handling the guns. It meant I could hand the guns mm. off to, to between one hand and the other and stuff, but um, it also made dropping them on the floor, it was fine. I could just click, drop it, click, pick it back up again. Uh, okay. but, but yeah, yeah. Uh, dual wielding felt like it should be the thing to do, but as soon as you've got two guns and you can't vent either one of them, that's pointless. Mm. So uh, yeah. end up... Like there were sections where I knew I was in for a large number of enemies. I did dual wield pistol in one hand, rifle in the other, and then as soon as the pistol was um, empty, drop it and stick mm. to the the rifle at that point. But um, it, fe- it felt like that shouldn't have been as cumbersome as it was. Um, but the the real thing was, I kept picking up grenades and they just went into my chest pouch every single time. I yeah. maybe tried to throw two in the entire game and was like. I've got to time when I click the button as I throw, and inevitably a bit like we bowling, or bowling in real life, you let go of the ball at the wrong time and it goes flying up <laughs> in the air or it drops too soon and goes on the ground. It's just like, no, then I'd rather stick to the guns. If I'm more likely yeah. to damage myself or damage no one at all, plus mm. I've always got them in the pouch because I wanted my holsters for guns, not grenades, so I have to get the pouch out, suspend it in front of me, Grab the grenade. At that point, I can't do anything with the pouch, so I'm just going to have to leave you that. Put there. the pouch back. Yeah. Well, I've got a grenade in one hand, a gun in the other, so I can't put the no, pouch you're back. Not so... doing anything with the pouch. Uh, no, I, I just yeah, no. So uh, yeah, I think the pouch could have been handled a bit better in terms of mm. maybe just give me some more space on the the um, chest sling and and belt. Yeah. And and just make everything that's a consumable like pickup just go into an yeah. inventory that's not a pouch that I'm also getting weapons and health from. Um, yeah. But I really liked the um, the wrist braces having storage on them. You, I, yeah. I found that I was constantly kind of doing it with the other hand, but you can actually pick up the pouch and put it, or pick up the, the heel and put it onto your wrist with the same hand. Because uh, obviously yeah. you can see the highlight comes on and then just click the button and it goes. Uh, so I found shortcuts to the way of doing that. And that's kind of what I meant yeah. by as I was getting into scenarios two and three, I was getting more used to how to play within the game's controls. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was it was really good fun. But yeah, there was definitely aspects of it where I was just like, yeah, that doesn't feel good. I'm not doing that anymore. And Grenades was one of them. Yeah. And then trying to handle the wrist gauntlet as well while you're trying to wheel the gun and you're trying to press the button to show you where to go or... Oh, yeah. Yeah. You end up just kind of slapping it and hoping that you hit the right button. The thing is, if you've got a pistol, it looks like the barrel of the gun should be perfect for just pushing it and inevitably you press one and it's like then all three just go off and you're like, okay, I I guess I'm trying to call Mubo now. Yeah, I'll yeah, I'll whatever button you want me to press, I'm pressing. You don't worry. You just press whatever one you feel like. There is one <laughs> thing. There is one thing. When we were talking about the chests earlier, yeah, and they do contain grenades. Now the ones you don't use. Um, yeah. I do remember bending down in the game, actually, yeah, and uh, picking up one of these grenades and not quite aiming it properly at the uh, the pouch, and then sort of like letting go because I thought it would just go, and then I heard this. Oh dear! Oh no! Oh, come <laughs> on! And it was that was that was a pretty cheap death, there, right there. My yeah. 
But uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of the grenades. No, no. They There's just, just a lot did... going on, isn't there? I think it's generally, just, you know, we, just we, you've rubbish. got it's too long. Got yeah, just, bits no. and there's bits and pieces everywhere. You know, you've got the stuff. It's cool that you've got the stuff on your wrist, but if then if you if you want to get the the, dro- the uh, remote droids out, which you really can't use those loads of the various types of remote droids, and they're quite a, a nice mechanical way of mixing up the combat and, and kind of coming up with strategies. Let's face it, the game's not. It's not terribly difficult, is it? I mean, did, did, were we all playing on the default difficulty, which I think is normal? Yeah, I was anyway. Yeah. It, it's pretty forgiving, right? So you wait, while you're messing around with you, you could be messing around with your pouch, you could be picking up the gun that you've dropped whilst trying to fix a remote droid, and you might have three or four enemies in front of you who aren't particularly in any hurry to get to you and are pretty wayward with their shooting. I'm sure it's more difficult on the harder difficulties, but... So it feels like you've got the time to faff around, but you know when you've got the pouch in one hand and you're trying to get the droid out, and it just all just doesn't quite hold together, does it tightly enough for it to be to think, "Wow, you know this is they've nailed this." You know, yeah. it's like too many times I tried to put the gun on my hip holster and it would fall. Like the odd time, fair enough, I've just got it wrong, but it just happened too many times for it to be my fault. It's like okay, well. This I'm so, doing the same thing every time, and you know maybe one in four or five yeah. it falls. Um, I feel it like definitely it's wasn't that. Just... It definitely wasn't that common for me. Like the shoulder holsters and the hip holsters, I was okay with once I could see them. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, occasionally the pouch, I would think I'd got it lined up and clearly just moved my hand as I hit the button and uh, dropped it. But um, thankfully, no live grenades like like Chris. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I get what you mean. It's just it's a little too much to manage in the heat of the moment. I think mm. having the droids in the pouch makes sense because you can kind of before you get into a fight, take that out, get your droids out. Uh, yeah, and that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was the way to activate them just to drop them because that's what I ended up doing the whole time. I kind of felt like I should be able to throw it up in the air, and it just never quite worked. I guess because I was doing the the toggle release. Um, so I inevitably just ended up dropping them, and they then activated. yeah. I think if you just let them go, they activate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was trying to just look cool, yeah, you know, yeah. and throw them yeah. up in the air. Oh, but I, I love think... throwing them up in the air. Go, my <laughs> friends, go, go! <laughs> right, trying to capture the little thing buggers when they don't want to be yeah. captured. This another thing though, when when you don't want them out there and you're trying to get hold of them and you end up chasing them around the environment is fun. And you can repair them as well. That's fun. you can repair them. There's a trophy for that as well if you do it enough times. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, friend of the droid or something. If you repair, I don't know how many times but you have to repair them so it's many quite times. A few. But there's all diff- there's all different ones as well, and there's ones that will go and seek and then target the enemies. Later in the game, you can buy a target in visor, um, but early in the game, that's quite cool. If enemies are hidden, you can go and send one in, and it will highlight them. And there's 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 an explosive one, which probably what the grenade should be. Right, I think it's the black one. Yeah, that you set, and it's got it's like a it'll go and detonate itself next to the nearest baddie. So. It it does it does help the combat flow a little bit in that you can you can you can go into an encounter and think okay well what have I got here three or four I've got one up there I've got two down there I can use a remote droid and the remote droids also stop you from getting uh, hijacked and, and attacked from behind by some of the uh, so, some of the fauna on on Batu which can at times sneak up on you from behind some oh, of the little critters yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that helps. Moving on to the side stories, then we've we've already talked about a couple of these in in, in passing, particularly the music in Bounty of Bugs Triff. 
So this the these are scenarios that are activated by well one of them the bounty of Bog's Triff just seems to be and unless I'm unless I miss the trigger for this just seem to be activated by Cecil Slack and the drink in front of him. I didn't feel like I had to do anything to unlock this one. Did you guys notice anything? I I'm glad you brought that up because I did not know how I activated. I actually had my head in the I was pulling batteries out of the jukebox. <laughs> then you were whisked away. And then the next thing I know, like the screen goes dark and it comes back up and I'm in this, like with a green UI of targets and I'm like, what's going what on? Is happened? Like how strong was that battery? <laughs> then I lick it. There's, there's some acid so in this. At the time yeah. I was scanning, it was a point at which there were three sort of droid carcasses on the um, yeah. top. Yeah, and I was scanning those, and then it went through. Yeah, so even the the secret garden one where you pick up the broom, I assumed there was yeah. something to do with the broom, so I was kind of walking around trying to sweep up and do something. <laughs> Sweeping the floor, and then he just said, "Oh, you want to be a Jedi, do you?" And then the screen just goes black. I'm like, "Well, actually, I was quite happy doing what I was doing. Thanks." Could, can we go back to the cantina? It's it's a bit weird that there's not like I don't necessarily need to choose to do that because the point is Cecil Sachs going to tell you a story. But mm. I, I felt like I needed a little bit more ceremony of, and now I'm going to tell you a story, rather than Cecil's like just saying something over here, and next thing I know I'm transported off. It's a bit weird. Yeah. I implored the intent, because I think they oh, wanted yeah, to yeah. make it all feel very natural. Yeah. But I think, as you say, it can it, it, it can all feel a bit weird. The only one, actually, the authentic one, was that Secret Garden one, where I picked up the broom, and to be honest, at this point, out, and that was the only one I hadn't done. Yeah. So I wanted to trigger it, and I knew what I had to do to trigger it. So I picked up the broom. I then just went and stood in front of him and looked at him. And then he kind of looks down and says, oh, I've seen that look before. You're ready for a story, aren't you? <laughs> and I thought, now that's quite cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when it, <laughs> yeah, when it works, works like that, it's just occasionally, I think, uh, from Carl's description, it sounds like for him as well, occasionally it felt like you just had the rug pulled out from under you, under you and, the, yeah, and a little bit. then he breaks out his Jack and Ori book and starts telling you a story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Any thoughts on the uh, on these? You know, I've I've called them side stories in the notes. They feel like, uh, yeah, they are little side stories, aren't they? They are mm. literally Cecil Slack tells you a story, and then the gameplay elements, rather than watching a cutscene or watching a series of stills or yeah, comic book style that may have been done in other games, you actually get to take part as one of the characters in these yeah. stories. Uh, what what did we think, Chris? Any any highlights or particular things you want to talk about? I like being a space wizard for a bit, having a chat to Yoda about my own inner turmoil, about, you know, the dark side of the force always there. And I'm screaming, yes, I know, I played Knights of the Old Republic. Are you kidding? (laughs) You know, It was a bit dark, that, though. I mean, I I quite liked it, but it it was a bit, uh, yeah, I I could have had more of that. Yeah, I liked uh, looking down, looking at my hands, going, oh, look, I haven't got any weapons. Oh, except the Mm. sword thing. Here it is. And uh, I did like that. It was very, um, yeah, very in, inward-looking experience, going, mm. going through a trial that uh, mm. I, I think she failed at, I think, <laughs> um, from what I interpreted. That's, uh, but I enjoyed that. I think they're all lovely, um, and they were nice sideshows. Good stuff. Mm. And again, drew me back, kept me there longer than I thought I was going to be, really. Mm. It's like, oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
James, any highlights for you in this side stuff? Um, I think all of them have uh, strengths and weaknesses. And I think this, the main strength across the board is I think they're all cool co- concepts that kind of are, yeah. here's kind of a legend of of the galaxy that Cecil Slack's telling you. It's a really cool story. It's a difference. Like, none of it felt like it's just retreading old ground from uh, other Star Wars stuff. Um, I think Bounty of Bog's Triff there was a point at which I'm like, this just feels like I'm churning through lots of corridors yeah. of people. And it, it wasn't yeah. that many, only stopped like four times or whatever in the lift. Uh, but um, I think the, the main complaint with that was I never kind of got completely comfortable with the, sh- the firing mechanism. It always felt like I was like, okay, am I going to hit this person or maybe yeah. not? Uh, it, 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 it had less feeling than what Chris was talking about, about blasters. It had yeah, even it less was, feeling it, than it that. It felt like it was like remote piloting rather than actually being yeah. the droid, uh, which was a bit un- unfortunate, but but otherwise in, enjoyed it. Um, the Even the knocking down every single door and holding <laughs> the triggers and knocking yeah. down doors. That's there was a couple of times where they used that to good effect, but yeah, for the most part, I think yeah, I, I definitely struggled with that. That felt like, can I not just shoot the door? Too that often. would seem like an obvious yeah. thing to do here. Well, especially it's when you using... will it not yeah, open? And when you're using <laughs> teleport controls as well, you've got to make sure that you teleport just to the right place so you can get both hits in at the yeah, same time. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think um, Jedi Temple. My my main um, frustration with that was the the enemies you were fighting. Um, it it just kind of felt like they were swarming all over the place. Uh, by by the end, I was being told, "Oh, don't you know? Don't fight, don't resist." And I'm like, "Yes, I will not fight. I will not resist." Oh, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, let's try again. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I will not fight. Yeah. I will this time. I'll put my lightsaber away. I won't just not swing it. I'm going to put it away. Oh, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, apparently, I need to absolutely put my lightsaber down on this pedestal that I hadn't even noticed before. It just feels like it's a little bit. I'm sure it was just me missing it, because when I noticed it, I was like, "Okay, I guess I do something with that." Walked over, and it wouldn't let me put the lightsaber down, so I died. Mm. But it just felt like, okay, this is not really set up to be this yeah. high action. There was times I was swinging my lightsaber, and it was missing by like an inch. A yeah, creature was right in front of me, and I'm like. Yeah, because no. they move and then stop, don't yeah. they? And it feels like that's the time when you have to hit them to, um, to kill and there them. There was also times where, like, trying to grab grab one of them with the force, if they were too close, it just wouldn't register. Um, yeah. That's a bit frustrating. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's, yeah, like, it's clear that they, these weren't mechanics. The game was built around. It was more, yeah. let's do something cool conceptually, and it absolutely was. But that meant that it didn't yeah. play as well as I'd hoped. Um, yeah. And Secret Garden, I think, is probably actually the one that I liked the most conceptually, because it is just, here's three or four little trials with a Padawan where you're just kind of walking around. Again, it's the slow stuff. It's the just getting yeah. to do things, you know, yeah, without time pressure, without a failure state or whatever necessarily, just kind of playing around with the seeds in the air, working out that you could kind of throw them and catch them and, you know, you could get quite uh, intricate with it was, was really cool, I thought. Um, I don't think it was the most dynamic or exciting of the three of them, but I think conceptually it was really cool to have this kind of yeah. peaceful moment with a character that if you played these in the right order, you would have already known Addy's story. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether you can only play them in that order. Maybe the broom doesn't appear yeah. until after you've done the, the drink for the Jedi Temple. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that you can only do Secret Garden after the yeah. Jedi Temple, but you don't have to do Bog's Trift to do the sure. two Jedi Yeah, ones. no, that makes sense. 
it, it makes mm. sense to do it that way because the whole premise is you know this character, you know kind of what they're going through, um, yeah. and and that's that's quite a cool sort of uh, aspect to those two in in comparison or in time. Yeah, I I completely rage quit out of the Secret Garden, really? and that was that I've not been back. There. I didn't finish the Secret Garden. That that blooming balance and yeah, challenge it's, it's rough. Oh God. <laughs> why is there a time constraint on that and like it's not a fail state you can just pick them back up and start again but yeah oh I need to do it quickly okay I'll do it quickly push like way too fast okay. and pull way too fast it and... drove me to yeah, distraction well. that thing now this I, I yeah completely agree conceptually it's really yeah it looks brilliant like it looks really really nice this secret garden that massive like lion oh, statue yeah, or the tiger funny. statue and um but gee, I was just not ready for the frustration that this was about to give me. I ended up just grabbing the because it's, you've got this puzzle that you're supposed to stack these things in a in a way in which it wants you to stack them, and you've got to do it in time. I ended up just grabbing the pieces and launching them off the platform and <laughs> twitching the game off. <laughs> yeah, I lost my lost my rag. Carl, anything to add there that we haven't already covered on the uh, on the side stories? Anything you particularly liked or? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I I enjoyed the tone of the Bounty Definitely. of Bogstrip. Yeah, yeah, me too. I liked the fact that it was a character that exists mm-hmm. yeah. in the movies. Yeah. I didn't like the banging down no. the two doors no. all the time. <laughs> like, it was cool the first time. Yeah. But you must do it 10, 15 times. It's too much. Yeah. Um, has cool moments when you fix the lift. I thought that was quite a cool moment. But then. Yeah, the, the the combat in it doesn't ever feel particularly tight. No. And it also gives you the most challenging waves of enemies when they're like above you on oh, balconies yeah, yeah. and bridges. Yeah. And, you you know, you're trying to do this. I'm not sure if I have to hold down and then it locks on or whether I can just tap. And then I've got enemies that suddenly look like they're out of Tron because they've got these weird colours over the top of them and they take more hits. That was all a bit weird. Yeah. Like that could have been delivered a bit better. The Jedi Temple... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, big fan. Secret Garden, haven't done it because nah, you're not, that's you don't miss so I, much. I want, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do it and I will do it. It's just that's you know as soon as I hit those end credits and I was feeling yeah, ropey, I was yeah. like, I, I literally what took the headset off as soon as I was on the credits. I pressed the menu button, quit, uh, skip credits, took the headset off, turned the console off, and I was like, I'll go back to it. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think those side stories aren't they conceptually conceptually very cool and a nice change up. Mechanically, mm, yeah, maybe not so much. I think that's the thing. Like we said, scenario one mechanically felt like there was some refinement needed. And I think that's kind of yeah. where we're at here. These are vignettes that aren't like yeah. fully fledged. They haven't had a year extra to develop the mechanics for them for these because these are obviously new mechanics to the game. And it just kind of feels like that, like with some refinement, with some tweaking and making something yeah. slightly just just flow slightly better and giving the player a bit more time with those mechanics as well because i absolutely yeah. accept that some of my struggles were just i hadn't got to grips with with some of these mechanics um but in the yeah. side stories it feels like well you don't have the time to kind of get to grips with it and kind of work out how to to make it um yeah. a bit more seamless yeah there's other content in the game which i don't propose to go into too much detail on unless there's anything that you guys really want to talk about there's various collectathons. There's a whole range of mini droids to collect and put on display in Mubo's workshop. If you wanted to get a platinum here, you could spend a hell of a lot of time playing Repulsor Darts. 
My highest score, by the way, is about 550. I think to get the trophy, you need about 4,000. 4,950, yeah. You can cheat it. You can cheat it, and I did. Go on, then. How would you cheat it? So you get your darts, and you walk right (laughs) up to the dartboard, (laughs) and then you look behind you, and you stick your teleport back onto the sweet spot, and you release both at the same time. And amazingly, you can hit the bullseye really easy. Well, there you go. And guess what? You were teleported back on the spot. Oh, there nice. you go, eh? That's just cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's what someone that has a lower score than me would say. Well, yes, because, well, yeah. Well, there I you go, Carl. You, bad at it, you win the issue. <laughs> Thank you. Well done. Thank I you. Wanted... Hero, for, hero for plodding through and the highest I did like the upgrades, though. They were fun. I yeah, right, yeah, yeah, and some of them are cosmetic, aren't you? Can change yeah. the color of your your wrist guards, and but some of them are really useful, like the two holsters for your shoulders yep. and your the the combat visor and whatnot. And the high, the higher, the higher jetpack, yeah, yeah, to be able yeah. to move, and the shoulder holsters, and for me the um the gauntlets that allow you or heals you, yeah. yeah. If you've got them on your wrists, it doesn't take them out of your pouch, yeah. annoyingly, but only the ones on the wrist. I thought they were all actually really good additions. Yeah. As part of the um, there was also the rechargeable holsters. They were awesome. Because we haven't really mentioned this, but the guns do have a, a charge that once they, 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 once they expire, they no longer fire at all. And yes, um, yes. they have a little like bar on the back of them to indicate how, many, how much charge they've got left in them. But yeah. there are holsters that recharge those. I never got them. No, I didn't. Yeah. No, that that was really cool. Yeah, because you could have therefore mm. presumably four <laughs> guns and just keep, ages, yeah, 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 keep popping it back and getting the next one out. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. But they're very expensive, but uh, wow, well worth it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty to do. I mean, if yeah. you really, really love this game, you can go back to all of the areas once you've been through them once. You can go back, and the combat encounters will just repeat without the story elements. Yeah. So if you really, really liked it, there is. So- there's a couple of things on that. First of all, I so I didn't realize that I needed ingredients that I was picking up for the drink. So I went yeah. and sold them all at the at the shop. Yeah, me too. And I, for some of them, there's not really necessarily a need to go back to those areas. So no. I ended up going back to the areas I thought and had to try and work out. Okay, where where can I find these particular um, yeah. animals? Uh, and, and Demlins, I think they were one of them was a Demlin, wasn't it? And there yeah, was another yeah. one, and then there was the fruit. Yeah. So the the problem I then had was they're linear routes, so I had to just keep yeah. going down and work out. Oh no, this is not the right one. Right, go back. And I didn't work out for longer than I should have that you can fast travel once you've got the map opened up from anywhere. So yeah. I was going all the way out linearly, oh, turning no. around, <laughs> coming all the way back, <laughs> and it was only because on one of them. You can't get back because you have to drop down and there's no way to get back up because there's not enough clearance to be able to use your jetpack. It was okay. only at that point I was like, well, there's, I, I, you can't just quit I'm out. Stuck. It'll just reload you. So there must be, like, I could go all the way to the end and use the, the warp back to the, the cantina, presumably. But, yeah, then I worked out. You can just pull up the menu and travel's on there and it just lets you travel to wherever you want, uh, which is nice, but it feels like something that maybe they should have made a bit more obvious i don't know that it never occurred to me that i'd be able to do that because it only pops up when i go to exit the cantina i never used it otherwise just from the menu um 
And I think that kind of sums up how I feel about the collectibles is if I was getting them as I was going through, absolutely fine. Yeah. So I got yeah, as too. many of the droids, I got as many of the um the audio logs. When I got back and saw that I'd only got like slightly more than half of um Deke's um Deke was it? Yeah, I think. Um yeah. audio logs. I was like, I'm not going through that whole area again to try and find the rest. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. Like if you <laughs> if you end up taking me back there for a story, I will find some more. But I'm not yeah. gonna just plow back and forth through these areas um fighting presumably respawning groups of largely the same enemies um which one of them yeah was just getting swarmed by the some of the little creatures mm. it was just like no you're not really incentivizing me to to do this collectible side of things and i mm. kind of end up feeling that way about the darts mini game i practiced it a little bit and thought oh, okay if if you hit some of the the planets that are moving around then it you get three more darts cool i could see how i could get to 4950 i'm not doing it there is not enough time in the world for me to spend on these collectibles. Mm. They need to incentivize me a bit more than they did. And maybe that's a me mm. thing, but I think that usually I'm a checklist gamer. If if it's kind of like, oh, cool, I get to go and do that again to get the collectibles, great. Yeah. But when it feels like, oh, I have to do that again to get the collectibles, no. Yeah, and there was no appreciable reward as well, certainly not what the game communicated. So it just felt like it was the only reason to do it would be to either get a trophy or just get a tick in your in your in your very limited mission log. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I completely agree. I, I I was yeah, went through the environment, picked up what I found and didn't bother going back unless it was for the Caesar slack drink and that was only because I knew yeah, it unlocked exactly. content. I I worked out I needed to complete that drink for some other reason yeah. so I went and got that, but yeah. 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 So this is the point at which we would normally announce our three word reviews, but, and I'll take full responsibility for this, the shout went out late. We didn't get any. Anyone want to venture a three word review? Um, I, I think my, my three word review of why we don't get many three word re- reviews for some shows is that's VR games. Unfortunately, you're yeah. very yeah. limited in the number of people who are going to have played. VR yep. games in general, and then this specific one. I, I think we have seen it before on on VR games. I think in ter- hopefully people are still enjoying listen- listening to this. Yeah, um, because I think there's plenty of decent discussions we've had about VR games. But yeah, in terms of exposure, yeah. we're just limiting our pool. You know, it happens with some games yeah. where you think, yeah, okay, I can see why we didn't get much feedback on that, and often it is just number of people playing it. Yeah, niche, niche within niche. Niche, but it doesn't stop us covering them and having a really great discussion. So that's the, For sure. the beauty of it. Well, James, kick off our uh, our summaries of uh, of this one. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I I didn't have high hopes going into this actually, probably based on what I'd heard about the original quest release from the reviews. I had also heard that it had been improved with the enhanced edition, and I'm really glad that I uh, got the chance to play this. Um, I'd had obviously the PSVR 2 I don't have a Quest headset at the moment because I'm umming and eyeing over the Quest 3 but um, there's there's loads of games on there that I've just not got around to playing and being given the the reason to go back and play this one was fantastic um, that doesn't mean I'm going to say it was a perfect game by any stretch I think there is some clunkiness to it some of it was me I'm sure just not picking up what I was meant to do quite so quickly but I definitely had a couple of spots where, um, so pressing the button on the um, the remote to 
to at the end of the the second scenario um not only could i not see the button i couldn't see the control and then when i tried to press it the rings on my psvr2 controllers got in the way and i couldn't actually oh, no. put my hands close <laughs> enough together to press it there's stuff like that where it's just like okay if we there's there is some stuff where it's me there is some stuff where it's the game and uh that's unfortunate because in vr that can become more frustrating quite quickly as you described chris with the secret garden uh puzzle there um but there are aspects of this where i'm like wow this is this is on par with like horizon i know mixed uh kind of response to i think that does some really amazing stuff like graphically yeah. and in terms of its design and putting you in the world it does some really really cool stuff that that you can only mm-hmm. do in vr and this game reached out towards that in a way i was not expecting i wasn't expecting to be wowed by visuals because i was thinking port of quest game i wasn't expecting to be uh impressed by some of the the concepts they were playing with and and how fluid the gunplay ended up feeling by the time i got used to it in that third um scenario um and and i i think there's a lot of credit there for that i think um i haven't played vader immortal i'm interested to go back and whatever um ilm immersive do in the future i'm absolutely going to be looking out for it on the basis of, basis of this cuz hopefully they're going to go from strength to strength yeah thanks james carl can you sum up your thoughts i think star wars tales from the galaxy's edge when it's good it can be really good unfortunately there's just a roughness around the edges in terms of its refinement that stops that being consistent across the board as well as that scenario one that's i don't want to call it a slow burner because it's it actually somehow goes the opposite way Mm. it actually seems to get worse um as it goes on and that can leave a bit of a bitter taste particularly if that's all you've played i completely understand that that is some people's kind of one and done with the game as i explained that would have been where i would have dipped if i had to buy the original and the dlc on top that would have been a no-go i think past that it starts to shine a little bit more yeah um there's moments and memories that i'll have as i say i'll always get excited at the idea of seeing a star wars ship it's why I liked uh, Battlefront when they had the VR experience on PS4. It's why I was blown away by Star Wars Squadrons mm. in VR on the PS4. And walking through the back of the bar and seeing the Millennium Falcon, it's just it's one of those science fiction things mm. that is just so much bigger than the franchise it's from. And, you know, that that is... Uh, it made me smile like an idiot when I saw it. It makes me smile like an idiot now <laughs> thinking about it. Um, and it's the things that you can't really prepare yourself for that kind of do the the best things in this game. The gunplay is better than I expected. Uh, there's more variety in the guns than I was expecting. And some of them are a lot of fun to play with, particularly the ones that you get in the very last scenario. Yeah. I particularly liked the you know, the first order shotgun. Yeah, the grenade launcher and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, they they were great to use. Yeah. Um and I, I look forward to going back through and I probably will mop up the challenges for that because it gives me a little more chance to play with those weapons mm. that are only in that 
that section and some of the little nuances with the puzzles i thought some were overplayed with the chests yeah. when you're using the blowtorch and you know you're taking the solder away or the, the, the seams the welding seams sorry chris <laughs> um and then uh some of the puzzles within them were really good the multi-tool was a really cool concept strange way to hold it on your chest that your wrist bends to an unbelievable <laughs> angle just to pull it off your chest every time that you got to use it not sure whose idea that was but that was wild <laughs> that yeah your wrist ends up it's just it's weird um but all in all it was actually a much better game you know other than it making me feel queasy that no vr games ever done before uh i did actually enjoy it more than i was expecting and i imagine there's some people that are a much bigger star wars fan than me will get that whole you know that super giddy that super excitedness that you can you can get when it's like something you're really passionate about experiencing that in vr really does escalate and elevate that i'd be interested in you know, if there was a sequel announced, I would be inclined to go and pick it yep. up. I guess the problem is when it comes to a recommendation, do I recommend someone goes and buys a VR headset, whether, you know, it's a Quest, whether it's a PSVR 2, and the game? No. Mm. I'm not entirely sure there is one that I would recommend that for yet, as 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 wild as that is, because it, the, the cost of entry is incredibly prohibitive. Is this the thing that's going to push people over the top to do that? No, it's not that good. It's not that game. But if you do have that tool, you could do a lot worse, but I would say wait for a sale. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Carl. I'll go next. Yeah, expectation's a funny thing, isn't it? Because I don't know why. I haven't enjoyed what I played of the demo and I haven't read some good reviews. I mean, this wasn't a badly reviewed game, especially with the enhanced edition. It was a well-reviewed game, so it's a seven, seven and a halfs. But I still went into this, and it was it was it was me who suggested. Oh, by the way, if you're tuning in expecting to hear the rogue the rogues the rogue squadron series episode, if you haven't figured out by now, this is not it, and uh, that will come up at a later date. So it was me who suggested throwing this in as a, as a last minute replacement, and I still went into it expecting to not really <laughs> enjoy myself, which was a bit odd. Uh, and then I had fun. I had fun with the game. I even had fun with the first part. But it felt for me that the, and I think you said it earlier, Carl, it it almost felt like the developers were finding their feet as they went with this. And once they divorced it from being a tie-in to the Disney experience, which I'm sure if you'd just been to Disney and then you'd find out you'd get a hell of a lot more from that first section. But once they left that behind and turned this into a more fully-fledged game in its own right, I thought it went from being a fun but maybe a little bit tiring experience by the end of that first scenario to actually a game that was fun and getting better as it went. And it culminated in my favourite part of the game in the in the First Order facility. So I feel as if the lessons and the things and the skills that ILM Immersive have gained here are going to stand them in really good stead going forward. And I would definitely, definitely be interested in what they do next, whether it be a sequel to this, something completely different, uh, maybe something in the MCU might be might be pretty cool uh, it is i think as carl said it, it it is a tough recommend if you don't have the tools to play it even if you did have a psvr2 or a quest 40 quid for um it, I mean, it just depends on how you feel doesn't it I mean some people would say yeah i'll pay 40 quid for a great eight hour experience it, it mileages vary 
I think it's one that surely must end up in a sale at some point. And if this came down to 20 quid, it's an easy recommend for me. Uh, anyone who who is a Star Wars fan, casual or huge, uh, will get a lot out of this. Some really good moments, some really fun game uh, gunplay, and uh, the odd occasional straightforward but pleasing puzzle as well. It seems to be one of those games that has a little bit of everything. Chris, take us home. Certainly, and by the way, on Quest it is nineteen pounds. Now, there you go. There you go. Easy recommend. Easy recommend. So, um. This is the most Star Wars game I've ever played. Now, I've I've been playing Star Wars games for decades, actual decades. That's scary. Um, but <laughs> I just generally felt my walking away when I pulled off my headset last time after playing this for the second time um, through, uh, that is, it's just so Star Wars. It just, it's unapologetic. And how Star Wars it is, which I know is not a word, but just bear with me. And that, for me, is the biggest takeaway, and I regret it not. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. No, it is not the greatest VR game, not the greatest game, nor is it a system seller. No, but it's a fine experience, Mm. and there's nothing wrong with that. And with being in a familiar universe, but in an unfamiliar part of it, made it all the better as as an experience. I... Thoroughly enjoyed myself. I'm very happy it exists, and I'm very happy that I experienced it. So, yes, there's there's some quirks and clunks to it, as with with all games. But for this, for me, um, just having a a taste of what it's like to be in, in that strange world, whether it be actually in the actual world itself, which is fictional, or being on a set that's representing it, as I said earlier, still fun, still amazing. And, um, yeah, I would thoroughly recommend this game, but not to everyone. Those who have a significant amount of knowledge about the Star Wars uh, would get way more out of this than most. Nonetheless, definitely a ride, and I'm not surprised it's inspired by one. Thanks, Lee. Done and well put. It just remains for me, Chris, to thank James, Carl, Chris O'Regan, Editor Jay, and of course, all of you for listening next time in issue 590. It's a me and Leah and Ryan as we go bouncing into Bean Bean Kingdom in Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. <laughs>